Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Let's just bow in prayer. Our loving Father, we come this morning to give you thanks for your wonderful word and how it speaks to our every situation. And so that, Lord, even in times of discouragement and despair, <clears throat> we can find hope and new strength and new power to love you and to love those that you have given us. And so this morning, Lord, we pray that you would indeed encourage us and uh, spur us on in our faithfulness uh, to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the uh, most debilitating problems we must deal with in life is the problem, oh, sorry, of... This is what happens when you don't get your... Now we're right, yes. <laughs> Wrong sermon. <laughs> yes, uh, as we've worked our way through the life of David, we have discovered that although a gifted and devoted servant of God, he, like us, had his highs and lows. We have seen him powerful in battle over Goliath, magnanimous in sparing Saul's life on two occasions, but furious with anger and would have murdered Nabal had it not been for Abigail. Today in 1 Samuel 27, we find David dealing with one of life's most difficult struggles, discouragement or life in the pits. That awful spirit of gloom and hopelessness, dejection, sadness and misery that afflicts all of us from time to time. And sometimes it is our constant companion. Further, let me say up front that there is nothing wrong with feeling despondent when the nights are dark and the days are cloudy. And such times can be brought on by physical illness and disability, by unexpected disappointments in relationships, Ill, uh, a career let down, financial worries, or even a dream that we've had that's fallen apart. And sadly, sometimes, even because of dis disappointment with God. Discouragement makes us feel sad and depressed and hopeless. It can hurt our ability to think positively and hopefully about the future. It can keep us from being motivated and inspired to continue the journey. And worst of all, it can cause us to have estrangement with God. Look at this text from Proverbs 18:14. The spirit of man can endure his sickness but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? That is what discouragement is, isn't it? It's a broken spirit. And that's where we have David this morning. Saul has tried to murder him twice. Saul has murdered people associated with him. And Saul has been hounding him now for some years. And David is fed up, he's weary with it, 
He wants an end to it. He just wants peace and calm. And what's more, he was beginning to doubt whether indeed he would ever become king. Today, our concern with David is not his bout of the blues, but what he did when it struck. He came to a fork in the road and he took the wrong turn. And that wrong turn led to misery, it led to compromise, and it led to 16 months of disobedience. So, first of all, let's look at the causes of discouragement. And the first one is human perspective. We read in 1 Samuel 27.1, But David thought to himself, One of these days I'll be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. He was looking at life without God. In fact, in this chapter, you will not find him praying once. It wasn't until much later, in chapter 30, that he calls out to God because his men are about to kill him because of the loss of their families. And we need to remember that he has known one spiritual victory after another. He's been saved from disaster by Abigail. And so he's on the crest, or was on the crest, of a spiritual high, which is a very precarious place to be. And it takes special skill to surf that wave to the shore. You see, the thing is this. When we become Christians, we do not enter a short sprint. It is the beginning of a marathon that takes grit and courage to keep going when all our hopes don't seem to be realised. And also we note from this verse that we need to be very careful about our thought life. The things that we say to ourselves about what's going on and also about God. David has lost his grip because he's listening only to himself. David thought to himself. The next cause of his discouragement is pessimistic thinking. He says, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. That is wrong, David. You know better than that. Notice he's talking about the future. But he doesn't know the future. You know, with pessimists, they tend to focus on the future. And it's always bleak. But it was Samuel who anointed David and told him, you're going to be the next king. Jonathan, David's special friend, said the same thing and even asked David for a promise that he would not kill his family when he became king. Abigail 
said to him, you're going to be king. And even Saul said to David that he was looking at his replacement. David is so pessimistic because his eyes are on himself. He, was, he went deep into discouragement because of human perspective and pessimistic thinking and then thirdly, worldly wisdom. He says, the best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel and I will slip out of his hand. Can you believe that statement? Given all that David's experienced of God, he says the best thing I can do is to escape. That is worldly wisdom. David is saying, things are not happening. The game plan's not working. Life is tough. Where is God? When will I be king? Will I ever be king? So the best thing I can do is to run where Saul cannot get me. And it was true. Saul would not look for David in Philistia because the Philistines were the enemies of Israel. David wants safety, he wants security, but he's lost sight of God's will for his life. And you know, when things don't turn out the way we want, we can lose sight of the faithfulness of God for us and become like David. Because the Christian life is a daily challenge and a daily challenge not to give in to worldly wisdom. I know what it's like. We can believe God's stuff in our head, but in our living of our lives, we can follow worldly wisdom. Look what Paul says about this. Uh, Corinthians 3.18. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool, so that he may become wise, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. You see, the problem is that when we give in to worldly wisdom, when we take our eyes off the Lord, we not only go down, if you like, but also... We drag others down with us. Look at this, 1 Samuel 27, 2. So David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. David is the commander of 600 freedom fighters. He has their trust. Their destiny is in his hands. The welfare of his family, of their families, is his responsibility. Friends, my point is this. When we sin, when we compromise, not only do we go down, but also we drag others down with us. Just as when we are full of faith and expectation, we encourage and lift up others. 
So these were the things that took David into deep discouragement. Human perspective, pessimistic thinking, and worldly wisdom. Therefore, what were the consequences of David's discouragement? First, it created a false sense of security. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. I can imagine David saying to himself, I am safe at last. I can sleep at night. I don't have to worry about Saul's troops coming after me. At last I have relief and rest and a chance to just be with my family and no more pressure. Saul has stopped pursuing him. Notice David is in Gath though, which is the nerve centre of Philistia, the enemy and the home of Goliath, who David killed. You see, the problem is, though, that David is Jewish and he is in Philistia, and though he feels secure, he's not. And the security will not last. You see, the problem is, when we walk away from God, because things are not working out the way we want them to work out and we feel discouraged. At first, we feel relief and then we feel the pressure's off. But it will not last because we'll be dragged down into a deeper darkness. The first consequence was a false sense of security. The second was submission to the enemy. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favour in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? The moment we choose a disobedient lifestyle, instantly, whether we feel it or not, we are serving Satan and his interests. I find it incredible that David would call himself the servant of Achish. But that is exactly what he is. David thinks, now I have this peace and rest I'm not fighting for the, for the Philistines, therefore I'm sitting on the fence. I'm not involved. But he is not. If he will receive and enjoy Achish's hospitality, he will also have to do Achish's bidding. It is either God or Achish and nothing in between. When David realize, whether David realises it or not, he's actually become a dropout. We can't sit on the fence. When we allow discouragement to take us away from God and we think we have relief, in fact we are serving the interests of Satan. 
And Jesus put it very clearly when he said this. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. The consequences of David's discouragement, false security, submission to the enemy. Thirdly, it led to a long period of compromise. So on that day, Achish gave him Ziklag, and it, it, and it has belonged to the kings of Judah ever since. David lived in Philistine territory a year and four months. When we are discouraged and we handle it by walking away from God, it can lead us into months, even years, being the servant of the enemy. We can't just snap out of it. It's interesting that in this one year and four months, the 16 months that David was in Ziklag, he never wrote one psalm. There's never a word of praise to God. In other words, because of his disobedience, the sweet singer of Israel has been made mute. Similarly, when we are in our individual ziklag, if you like, there is no reality of God, there's no joy, and worship does not flow from our hearts. This discouragement, because of the way David handled it, led him to a long period of compromise. And then fourthly, he lived a double life. While David was living in Ziklag, he and his men went raiding Israel's ancient enemies, killing everyone so that no one could spill the beans on what they'd been up to. Look at what he said when Achish asked him where he had been. When Achish asked, where did you go raiding today? David would say, oh, against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of Jeremiah, or against the Negev of Canaanites. He did not leave a man or woman alive to be brought to Gath, he thought they might inform us on, on us and say, this is what David did, and such was his practice as long as he lived in the Philistine territory. You see, when we are living in disobedience, when we allow dis discouragement to drive us from God, we become vague. We become vague about our walk with God. We become vague about what we're doing in life because we don't want people to know the real truth of where we really are. And so David is making up all these things, but, but behind the scenes, he's doing something else. But Achish trusted David and said to himself, he has become so odious to his people, the Israelites, that he will be my servant forever. David lived this lie for 16 months 
and he pulled off this deception. Akish never, ever suspected the truth. And you know, what this says to me is this. It doesn't matter how close we have been to God in the past. If we allow discouragement to take hold of us, we can become capable of any failure in the present. So that leads us to this. What do we do to dispel discouragement? And I take you back to to, uh, the first verse of Samuel 27. But David thought to himself, one of these days, I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. You see, in saying that, David had forgotten what he should have remembered. I mean, given of all that he'd gone through up to this point, how could he possibly say that one of these days Saul will destroy me? You see, David needed to replace human perspective with divine perspective. He needed to replace pessimistic thinking with positive thinking. He needed to replace worldly wisdom with godly wisdom. Let me share with you just three things that I have found to be helpful when I've gone through times of discouragement. First of all, remember who we are. As Christians, who are we? We are God's children, loved and chosen by him before the foundation of the world and made a member of his family through faith in Jesus. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Therefore, we belong to God and he has loved us with an everlasting love. And we are headed for glory. And this life is just a prelude to the great day and to the great experience of being with Jesus for eternity. There's an old song that says this, Oh, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, that God loves me. I wonder sometimes, do we lose the wonder of what it means to be loved by God? And to know that because who we are, because we are his children, that no matter what is going on, as we sang earlier, he is working out in your life and mine his purposes and his plan. However dark the future may look, however however disappointing things may be, God is at work. Do you know, 
with one prayer request, I had to, make, I had to wait 49 years for it to be fulfilled. But God was working and it was wonderfully fulfilled. Secondly, remember our calling. You see, we are the friends and the servants of Jesus our Lord who gave his life on the cross to save us from the wrath of God. And now, through this amazing, mysterious miracle, he lives within us by his Holy Spirit. So that now we have a living relationship, as Paul says, the life which I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's our calling. But also our calling is this. We are to be proclaimers of Jesus. We are to be encouragers for Jesus. Jesus said in John 20, 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You see... When we're discouraged, we have this kind of poor me attitude and we, have, we are drenched in self-pity. But if we remember our calling, it changes the whole situation. I've had moments when I've been deeply, deeply discouraged. And I believe in that moment the Holy Spirit has said to me, John, give so-and-so a ring. John, make contact with this person. And I've given the person a ring. And I fulfilled the calling that I have in Christ. And the moment I get involved with that person, all of a sudden I'm not thinking about myself anymore. And there's joy and there's thanksgiving and, okay, the person's blessed, but I am also blessed. That's the wonderful thing about visiting people in the church. You think, it's, you think you're benefiting. I get the biggest benefit by coming and seeing you because we are encouragers. We fulfil our calling. And if we keep our eyes on fulfill our, fulfilling our calling, living out this relationship of love that we have, through what Christ has done for us. We don't have time to be discouraged. And then thirdly, remember the blessings of yesterday. You see, David had forgotten the blessings of yesterday. He'd simply put aside in his mind that he had been anointed to be king and told by Samuel that he would be king. He set aside that Jonathan said to him that he would be king. He set aside that Abigail had said to him that he would be king. He set aside that even Saul said to him, you will be king. And then you add to that 
the victory God gave him over Goliath. You add to that how Saul had preserved David through all the evil pursuits of Saul and how God had provided for him 600 loyal men. How could he possibly say, one of these days Saul is going to destroy me? You see, when we get discouraged and the future looks bleak, or things are not working out, we need to remember the blessings of yesterday. Need to look back at the way God has undertaken for us, the way God has provided everything that we need. David just put all that aside. It's like he had a metal block and forgot the blessings of yesterday. There's an old song that goes like this. Count <coughs> your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. That song we've just sung this morning. Great is your faithfulness. O oh God, my Father, morning by morning new mercies I see. And that other line, all that I've needed, you have provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Paul says in Thessalonians, in everything, in everything, give thanks to God, for this is his will in Christ Jesus. In everything, give thanks to God, for this is his will in Christ Jesus. So friends, when those moments of the blues, those discouragements, when we just wonder what is going on, where the future is going to be, Remember who we are, loved by God. Remember our calling, that we are called out to share Christ, regardless of what's going on in our lives, with those who believe and with those who don't believe. And remember to share the blessings of yesterday. When we remember these things, our discouragement will be turned into joy. Our darkness will be turned into light. And our hope will return. And we'll have the zest and the zip to get up and to go on confident that the God who has led us thus far will lead us tomorrow and into the future and to know that he has promised good things and we just wait on him for him to reveal what he wants to do. You know, that's the wonderful thing about being a Christian. Our God is full of surprises. 
just when we least expect him to act or least expect him to bring something about. That's just when he does it. So he keeps us, as it were, on tippy-toe, <laughs> waiting to see what he will do. And so when those moments of discouragement, when the blues hit us, don't be like David and say, Saul's going to destroy me. This life's going to destroy me. But say, Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your calling. I thank you for all the blessings of yesterday. And I look forward to the blessings of tomorrow. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we just pray this morning for any of us, Lord, who have struck this patch of being in the slough of despond, where, Lord, we feel downhearted, disappointed, wondering, Lord, just where our life is going. Father, I pray that in your wonderful mercy and goodness, and because, Lord, you understand, I pray, Father, that in your compassion, you'll just bring comfort, that, Lord, you'll bring peace, that, Lord, by your spirit, you'll turn our eyes away from ourselves so that we're not drenched in self-pity, so that, Lord, we're not stuck in thinking about ourselves, but that, Lord, we are focused on you alone. And that, Lord, we start talking to ourselves about how wonderful you are, about how wonderful your promises are, about how wonderful your faithfulness is. And then, Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will so take hold of us and fill us with your joy and peace as we move out in confident and expectant faith, fulfilling the calling that you've given us, rejoicing in the love that we experience every day, and Lord, empowered and encouraged by the blessings of yesterday, and to discover that every morning your mercies are new. So Lord, we pray that you'll just fill us with the joy of believing and trusting because we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.